When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Rodgers. In trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Pressure. Pass is picked off. And who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome to Packs What She Said, a brand new Packers podcast hosted on She's Head TV. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, and I'm joined by Harry Goldstein. So we would like to welcome you to what we think is going to be a fun new project for Cheesehead TV, um, another listening opportunity for you as Packer fans. The more we can talk about Packers football, the better. Uh, so we thought having a brand new Packers podcast would kind of springboard us into the offseason and give everyone hopefully something to look forward to uh, listening each and every week. Uh, so Perry... I know that I'm incredibly excited about this. I hope that you feel the same way. Um, and I hope that all of our friends at Cheesehead TV really enjoy this new product that we're going to be putting out each week. Yeah, I'm with you. I uh, sometimes still can't believe that I'm part of the Cheesehead TV family now. And I can't wait to talk about the Packers every week with you um, to make the off season maybe a little bit more bearable. <laughs> It's funny, too, that we said we're going to start talking about the Packers every single week because the very first thing I want to talk about in our inaugural Packers uh, Packs What She Said podcast is your quick thoughts on the Super Bowl. I mean, I think any time a Super Bowl ends, that kind of signifies an offseason, even though a lot of Packer fans felt like the NFC Championship game was kind of the end of the end of our season as Packer fans. The Super Bowl really is the final chapter in the closing of the 2019 season, so what do you think about the game? Uh, obviously, everyone listening to this now on Saturday, uh, the Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 54. What were your thoughts on that game? I thought it was pretty exciting. Um, obviously, one of the best defenses goes up against one of the best offenses in the league. You know, I was excited to see what Patrick Mahomes and Garoppolo would do in like kind of on the big stage. Um, obviously, Mahomes really pulled it out at the end. And uh, I'm honestly most excited for Andy Reid. He's an amazing coach and really deserves that Super Bowl win to solidify him um, as that Hall of Fame coach that everyone knows that he is. So I thought it was a really entertaining game. I, I had a good time watching. Um, there was some interceptions. There was some big plays. Um, I was pretty satisfied with it. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was one of the better Super Bowls in recent memory. And I don't know if maybe that's recency bias in the fact that the Patriots weren't in it. Um, I don't know if that's what made it more enjoyable for me as a fan. Um, but I did go in rooting for the Chiefs, uh, like you mentioned, specifically for head coach Andy Reid. Um, I really wanted to see him finally get a ring. Uh, I know he got one with the Packers, but as a head coach, it really felt like he was deserving of that honor. So I was happy to see that the Chiefs were able to do that for him. And 
I don't know. I know everyone says that, you know, maybe this is the start of a dynasty over in Kansas City. But I think something that we as Packer fans have also learned is that wins are not guaranteed in the league. And for the Packers to go 13 and three, which I know we'll get into quite a bit here in the next couple minutes. Chiefs fans, after 50 years of waiting, I just really hope that they cherish this Super Bowl win, because as Packer fans that have gone from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and have two Super Bowls, not that I'm complaining about those two Super Bowls, we do know how hard those titles are to come by, especially in a place called Title Town. So let's kind of take that then and segue into our 2019 season review. And I guess we can start with just some quick thoughts on what you think went right about this 2019 season. Cause to me a lot did. So I'm curious to see if we kind of agree on any of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, overall this season was a success. Um, I think going into it, I'm a very optimistic fan to begin with. So I was super excited about what Matt LaFleur would bring to see what Aaron Rodgers would do with him. I, uh, I didn't listen to any of the nonsense and any of the negativity last off season. And Um, obviously all of it was exactly that nonsense. I think it was special. The locker room had a different feel the last few years, you know, obviously I look forward to every Sunday, but the games were hard to watch and the season was exciting. You know, they really seemed like they loved to play together. And I think some of the free agents that came in with the Smith brothers just really, really became a cohesive unit. I think it's the start of something really exciting Uh, And that's hard to come by when your quarterback is, you know, nearing 40 um, to feel like you still have a few years left of really good football. Um, So I'm excited. I had a a great time watching the season. See, now this is going to be tricky for for Cheesehead TV fans because I am also a typically optimistic fan. So I think that one of us is going to have to adopt like a good cop, bad cop thing because otherwise no one's going to want to hear us because we're only going to talk about all the positives and we're never going to look at any of the negatives. So I promise on this show, we will get to what went wrong um, in the 2019 season. But of course we're going to start with the good. And I'm glad you mentioned Matt LaFleur's first season. In my notes here, I have Matt LaFleur's first season was something that went right, assuming he never has to go back to California, um, which he already does in 2020. uh, So that is not looking great for his future. But statistically, I know everyone says you can manipulate stats to serve a purpose, but he had a seven and one record at home um, his first year as an NFL head coach, which is a franchise record for the Packers. He has a plus seven turnaround, um, you know, going from a six win team to a 13 win team, which is also the greatest in franchise history. So the foundation is there for Matt LaFleur and for this Packers team. And there's a lot to be excited about. Someone I know that you are incredibly excited about going into next season is also Aaron Jones. So give me some quick thoughts on Aaron Jones before we move into, you know, some other stars on this offense. Oh boy. There's so much to say about this guy. I mean, as a person, you can tell what a what a great guy he is. Um, everyone rallies around him to have, you know, I was, I was listening to an interview with him actually this past week while he was at the Super Bowl about how, you know, Rogers in one of his first starts told him that he was such a big supporter. Um, and to see, you know, Rogers got it right. I mean, this guy's a star. I think to lead the league in touchdowns this season and to not get, uh, you know, voted to the Pro Bowl or get any all pro nods will just fuel him next season. And I think he's he's just really talented. He's shifty. Every time he's on the field, he moves the chains. And uh, he's just a really exciting back to watch. And I think when you pair him with Jamal, they just make this amazing duo. Um, they really complement each other. I personally would love to see them on the field together more. Hope that comes next season. But I mean, I'm wearing my Aaron Jones shirt right now. 
he's just one of my favorite players. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned Jamal Williams because that was something I also wanted to point out. Aaron Jones, 23 all-purpose touchdowns uh, for the regular season and postseason, setting a new franchise record for Green Bay. And I always think it's interesting. Um, really, it's special when you have a franchise that's been around now for 101 seasons and there's still guys setting franchise records. Uh, so for Aaron Jones to do that with so much history on the team, you know, is really special. And Amon Green was no slouch as a player. So for Aaron Jones to come in and break his record um, is something really significant. And I think that also says a lot going back to head coach Matt LaFleur and kind of how he's changed the dynamic of this offense. Uh, you know, a big narrative this season was that the offense, um, what it was going to look like, and if Aaron Rodgers was going to have to be Superman. And I think this was the first time in a very long time that we learned that Aaron Rodgers going into maybe kind of what he called the back nine of his career did not have to be Superman. Um, So that's something that, you know, maybe as his accuracy declines, as he ages, as all good quarterbacks do, I'm not saying he's there yet, but as he gets older, knowing that he doesn't have to carry the load for this team and he has guys like Aaron Jones uh, and Devontae Adams is going to be really impactful. So that's kind of a good segue into the next person I want to talk to you about is Devontae Adams. And I guess maybe your thoughts on the state of the offense as a whole, what you thought went right about this offense in 2019. Sure. Yeah. I mean, to have, I mean, Devontae Adams is a star. He's he's one of the best in the NFL. I mean, he missed four games and he still was just a few yards shy of an, of an a thousand yard season. So, I mean, there's no question that he is our number one. And I think the trio of Rogers, Jones, and Adams complements exactly what you just said, where Rogers doesn't have to carry the team on his back. He has two more than two. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the rest of them in a bit players that can really help carry the team. And we haven't seen that in a long time. As far as the West, the rest of the wide receiver class, I mean, of course there's improvements that need to be made. Um, I think Alan Lazard really stepped up this year. I mean, to go from an undrafted free agent on the Jacksonville practice squad to catching, you know, fourth downs in the NFC championship game is an incredible leap. And I'm excited to see what he does for the rest. I think the, the rest of the wide receivers have to prove themselves a little bit. Um, we don't, have that bona fide number two next to Devante. And, uh, you know, he, he attracts a lot of attention. He gets double teamed, you know, he can't do everything on his own. So I'm hopeful that we'll find someone who can really fill that role next to him, who can kind of pull defenders away and let, and Devante can really shine. Um, he shines on his own already. So, yeah, I think Devante is one of those players that doesn't necessarily get enough recognition in the NFL, despite uh, going to his third consecutive Pro Bowl. And I think this is really cool, too. In some of the post-game coverage of the Super Bowl, they had talked to Sammy Watkins, and he gave Devontae Adams a huge shout-out for how to beat Richard Sherman off the line. They said it was some of the best route running of his entire career. So for now a Super Bowl-winning wide receiver to acknowledge Devontae Adams in that capacity, I thought that was really special. So hopefully the rest of the league will take notice. I think that um, the players do acknowledge that. Um, guys like Darius Slay have complimented Devontae quite a bit in the past. But I think as like football fans, maybe the broader NFL audience will start to acknowledge that Adams is quite the talent, easily, arguably a top five receiver in the league. It really surprises me, actually, that, you know, the entirety of the NFL doesn't already recognize him. Um, we play the Packers play a lot of games in prime time. And we've seen Devontae do amazing things in prime time. I mean, you look at the Seahawks game, he set a postseason franchise record. So I mean, I'm with you. I, I hope he finally gets the the recognition that he deserves. 
in this next year. So now I want to flip gears and kind of talk about what went right on the defensive side of the ball, because I know that you had mentioned earlier that you're really happy to hear that someone is sticking around uh, for the 2020 season. So I'll let you break that down a little bit further. Yeah. I mean, the NFC championship game by all accounts was a disappointment. Of course, the Packers would have loved to be able to stop the 49ers run game and make it to the Super Bowl. Um, but I think it definitely overshadowed all the things that Petten did great this year. You know, we have a we have a pass rush. We have a defense that can that can get sacks on third down and can can give the offense an opportunity to score points. We haven't had that in a really long time. I mean, I talk I talked to my dad about this all season that in past years we're always worried when the defense is on the field. We always have to have Aaron Rodgers have these historic fourth quarter comebacks. And now we have a defense that we can rely on. We have the Smiths. You know, I thought some of the rookies that we brought in did great things. I mean, to have Darnell Savage start from the beginning says a lot about his talent. I know Adrian Amos doesn't get a lot of, he doesn't show up on the stats and, you know, he doesn't, you know, make huge splash plays all the time. But the fact that he's always doing what he needs to says a lot about him as a player. And I think also how Petten uses him. Obviously we have some holes we need to fill at inside linebacker and, and to have kind of a partner compliment Kenny Clark on the defensive line. But I'm excited to see what Petten can do building off of this year. Um, like I said, we did some great things. There's still more to improve upon. And I think the cohesion going from year two to year three will only get better. Um, that being said, I think it's a prove it year for him. You know, if, if the defense makes any kind of decline or if we have another showing like we did in the NFC championship game, you know, he, he's probably going to be in the hot seat, but you know, I think that retaining him was a great decision in the end. I agree. And because I'm a, a stats person, I like to look at the stats and the numbers. Um, I thought I would throw some of these stats out there. You had mentioned the super Smith bros as uh, some real impact players for the defense. And I wholeheartedly agree. Anyone that follows me on social media or reads my writing knows that I'm just about the biggest Adarius Smith fan to ever walk the earth. And if anyone wants to challenge me for that title, um, I don't know, I'll arm wrestle you or something, but I love Zadarius Smith. He led the NFL in quarterback disruptions with 84. Uh, Aaron Donald was second with 80. And obviously Aaron Donald is a freak of nature. So for Zadarius to lead that category was phenomenal. Um, he also tied for first in the NFL with 37 quarterback hits. Preston also made the list with 23 quarterback hits. So between the two of them alone, they had 60 quarterback hits on the season. And then Green Bay altogether had 19 sacks on third down this season and Preston Smith had seven of those. So just that kind of production alone from an edge rush unit that a couple years ago was led by Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, who both obviously in their prime were ridiculously talented players, especially Clay Matthews, Super Bowl winner Clay Matthews, um, but both guys who were kind of riddled by injuries during their tenure in Green Bay, having that fresh energy coming off the edge with Zadarius and Preston with Kenny Clark in the middle. Um, the front seven is honestly something I'm most looking forward to um, seeing what happens in year two under head coach Matt LaFleur year three of Mike Patton. It's just, there's a lot to be excited about, but like you said, I think they could use a little more help, uh, especially at inside linebacker and some interior defensive line. I miss guys like BJ Raji. He, if you, you know, know me from anywhere else, you also know that BJ Raji is one of my other favorite players in the NFL. So giving a shout out to all my guys today, but before we switch to maybe what went not so right for the 2019 season, is there anything else that you want to recognize or acknowledge about what went right for this 2019 Packers team? Yeah, I think the culture change is the biggest thing. Um, it's noticeable. I think anybody who follows the Packers even a little bit can tell they 
love playing together. The locker room's different. The energy's different. They're excited. I mean, it, it, to me, it looks like a bromance. It looks like a group, a, a group of friends that I really want to be a part of. <laughs> um, and I hope that that continues. Of course, that's a lot of personnel. So, you know, maybe some of those people won't be back next season. Maybe they will. Maybe we'll get new people who add to the culture. But I think the fact that Matt LaFleur came in and in one off season just made this group so excited and so full of energy to really go out there and play for each other, not selfishly, not about the stats, just about winning together. It doesn't matter how they did it. We can talk about ugly wins all we want to me, a win's a win. And they did it. They won 13, 14, I guess. So that was just like the most exciting and I think most special part of the season. Yeah. I'm really glad you mentioned that because something that was a common theme in the locker room all season uh, was how Matt LaFleur had kind of made this team a player led team. And you know, the, the, I guess the, the general sense across the NFL is that the best teams are player led. So even though you have veteran leadership on the team, like Mason Crosby, Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, new guys like Zadarius and Preston Smith, having those players acknowledge that Matt LaFleur let this be a team kind of led by the guys implementing things that they wanted to try. Just having that dynamic was something that was so fresh and so new that, like you said, the culture in in the locker room really seemed to do a 180 from what we've seen. And I guess that was another thing too, is we actually got to see inside the locker room for the first time in probably as long as I can remember. And I don't know if that has more to do with maybe the Packers revamped social media team, or if that's Matt LaFleur saying, Hey, these are special moments that we think fans deserve a glimpse of. Um, So I'm really glad that you brought that up because I 100% agree that the culture change was just phenomenal. And I think that's maybe what made it such a special season to begin with was the way that they felt so connected. And the guys even said that you don't normally get teams like this. So that was something they were going to cherish for a long time. And on that note, I feel really bad now segueing into what went wrong because we were on such a high and now we have to uh, maybe talk about what didn't go so right uh, for this 2019 team. But I guess what didn't go right in your opinion, what went wrong for this 2019 Packers team? You know, I think the good like really outweighed the bad this season. So to me, it feels some of it is a little nitpicky, but I mean, the offense obviously needs work, you know, I think implementing a new scheme with a quarterback that's been in the same one for over a decade has its learning curve. And, you know, there's only 16 games in a season to implement that. And it took a while. We got glimpses of some amazing things. Um, We also got, you know, the Aaron Rodgers sack on third down a lot and the holding the ball for a while. And um, I think that will just come with time. I don't know. I, you know, I think some of the offensive struggles are, you can't pinpoint one reason, right? It's a new scheme, maybe a lack of, you know, an additional weapon or two that he needs. You know, he's wearing a call sheet all, all, all season on his wrist. He's 36 years old. That's, that's gotta be so um, uncomfortable. So, I mean, I, I hope that with a few new weapons and an additional off season to get comfortable in Matt LaFleur's scheme, that the offense will really pick up the pace. Um, I'd love to see more up-tempo next season. I think we got, you know, the play call, uh, the play clock went down to zero so much that can throw off the offense too. So that was one thing. I also, some of our vets this season had a lot of 
um, like really silly penalties on them. You know, David Bakhtiari holding and, you know, a lot of false starts by guys who have been on the team for a long time. So I'd love, I love to see the offense come out a little cleaner on the flip side. You know, I think the defense is a little bit easier to, to analyze some of the holes. Like I mentioned earlier, we need speed at inside linebacker. We need someone else on the D line with Kenny Clark who can stop the run. Um, the run game got better in the second half of the season besides the championship game. So um, I think the defense has, has some holes it needs to fill just like the offense does. But like I said, it's hard for me to pinpoint a lot of what went poor when a team won, went 13 and three, I think winning ugly got some kind of negative feedback from Packers fans. Whereas, like I said, to me, a win's a win. And if you find a way to do it and get it done, that's almost more positive than only being able to win when you're up, you know, 10 points. So, um, those are my thoughts about the negatives. Of course, I think there's probably some more, but like I said, I'm an optimistic fan. I'll, I'll try and spin it now a little bit just so we can have this, this pessimistic take. Um, even though it goes against every fiber of my being, <laughs> you are right. I do agree with you 100%. Um, and Matt LaFleur said as much about wanting to work on some of that, uh, that up-tempo stuff, getting the offense into a better, better rhythm. Um, but one of the things that I guess stalled so many of these drives was that third down conversion rate. And that, that seemed to be the bane of this Packers offense for pretty much the entire season. They looked really good against the Seahawks in the playoffs. They had their best conversion rate of the season. I think they were at like 64% um, on third downs, which was almost double what they were in the regular season. As a whole, their conversion rate was just around 36, 37% for the season. So if you think about that, you know, from a numbers perspective, that really is going to stall drives. If you're not converting on third down, you're not moving the chains. You're not keeping your defense um, on the sidelines, getting rest. This offense kind of sputtering, like you said, whether it's silly penalties, not getting the ball off in time and getting delay of games. That is something that Matt LaFleur emphasized was going to be something they look at in year two whether that is shortening some of these play calls uh, for Aaron Rodgers, because uh, Rodgers himself had said that some of these plays are really wordy to get off. So by the time uh, you say it, and then if you decide you want to audible, you burn a timeout. Um, so that is something I think will definitely improve in year two under Matt LaFleur. But third downs to me kind of were like just the hiccup for this offense. It was something that they couldn't really get past for most of the season. And I'm with you again on the defense. Um, I think that run defense was really, again, the crux of where this defense needs to improve. They were plus 12 in turnover differential. So, you know, there, we talked already about how Zadarius and Preston were what went right on this team. So the edge rush, the turnover differential, the defense had a lot to really like, and then they give up 285 yards to one running back in the NFC championship game. So I do think that's something that, like you said, if you add a couple key pieces, that'll kind of help the cohesion along that front seven and give the Packers a better look um, heading into year two under Matt LaFleur. Um, something else I wanted to touch on quick before we kind of wrap things up um, is the tight end and wide receiver production. And I know that this is kind of a back and forth debate. The Packers have Devonte Adams, even when he's triple teamed, we know he's a star, missed four games and was three yards shy of a 1,000 yard season. Do you think that the Packers need more help from the tight ends, from the wide receivers? Do they need another running back? Or do you think that they would have been okay even going to the Super Bowl with the talent they had around Adams? Do you think they need a star wide receiver, number two, or are they okay just giving him a better supporting cast in general? You know, that's a great question. I don't know about a star 
I mean, it's hard to have two stars on a team. I mean, you look at the league, like what team has two bona fide number one wide receivers. I think Devonte can do so much for us. We've saw him move all over the place. He played in the slot this year, He plays everywhere. So um, I think if we, my hope is that Jay Sternberger makes a huge leap in year two, which I know you and I are obsessed with him and see a bright future for the, the newest 87. I hope that we get someone who is versatile enough where we can still move Devonte around like we did this year and have someone, you know, more reliable. I do think there's going to be a little bit of an overhaul in the wide receiver room um, just because the production from everybody else was, was so low. And no, to answer your question, I don't think we could have gone to the Super Bowl with, with this group. I was not one of those people pushing for us to, to sign a wide receiver before the trade deadline at the time. Um, and then towards the end of the season, I, you know, I kind of was like, you know, maybe we need some extra help there. Um, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a wide receiver. It can be a, a stud tight end. Obviously we didn't really get that from Jimmy, although he had his flashes. Um, I think it's pretty clear he's past his prime. So it'll be interesting to see who we draft. If we decide to go with the draft for these, you know, for these playmakers, or if we, we go after someone in free agency, but I think the need for someone more reliable is there. Um, you can't trust that Lazard is going to do that again. I hope that he will. You can't trust that EQ is going to come back off IR and, and be, you know, pick up where he left off in his rookie season. Again, I hope that he will, but I think, I think we do need somebody there. Yeah. And I, I'm with you where going into the trade deadline, I was kind of skeptical. I thought maybe the Packers could get it done uh, with the guys they had in house. I'm a huge Geronimo Allison person. I thought that he was going to have a huge jump uh, this off season, giving the opportunity to be wide receiver two opposite Devonte Adams. And then obviously we know how that worked out. Nobody has to flood my Twitter mentions and remind me how it turned out. Um, so I really like your point about us not knowing if Alan Lazard can have that same kind of impact, even though he did have such a great finish to the season. Uh, but if you look at the production just from the offense uh, by the numbers outside of Devonte Adams, you know, he had almost a thousand yards and then nobody else on the offense had more than 500 yards receiving. Alan Lazard was like 30 yards away. Jimmy Graham was also like 50 yards away. Um, but Aaron Jones was third on the team in receiving yards as a running back. If you look at an offense like the 49ers that the Packers should theoretically try to emulate a Kyle Shanahan offense, they have a dominant tight end. George Kittle led that team in receiving yards. He had over a thousand receiving yards. Debo Samuel had over 800 receiving yards. And then Emmanuel Sanders, who they did trade for, played nine games for them, had over 500 receiving yards. So it doesn't have to be a ton more production, I don't think, for this offense to kind of get firing on all cylinders. But having some more balance opposite Devontae Adams, whether that is, you know, from Jamal Williams getting more touches, um, guys like Alan Lazard and MVS getting more touches. But I do definitely think that they'll bring in someone in free agency. I see them going more offensive minded in free agency this year, and then maybe emphasizing defense early in the draft once again. So before we wrap things up, because I know we're kind of running out of time here, for our first episode, we have to do something special for your dad. So I will let you take the floor from here. Thank you. Yeah. So I promised my dad that I would shout out Willie Wood, an amazing, amazing Packers player that unfortunately passed away this week. Undrafted free agent who had, you know, that key play in Super Bowl one against the Chiefs, that interception, he returned for 50 yards, um, I'm sure sealed the game. 
uh, eight-time pro bowler who was undrafted, which is incredible. And as Maggie pointed out to me earlier, Vince Lombardi called him pound for pound, the best tackler in the game. So we just want to remember a great Packer and uh, thank him for everything he did for the franchise. Couldn't have said it any better. Willie Wood, rest in peace. Um, Someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, had said that Vince Lombardi is kind of building an all-star team again up there in heaven, which was a very beautiful way to put it, even though I don't really know who off the top of my head was the person that said that beautiful tribute. So if you're listening, thank you. Uh, That was really special to read earlier. So Perry, if new Cheesehead, or I guess if Cheesehead TV fans want to get to know you and who you are, how can they follow you on social media and how can they get to know you better? They can follow me on Twitter at Goldstein Perry. I'm sorry, I'm not more creative than that. Um, for now, they can also follow us at the Packs What She Said podcast. So we'll have some content up. We'll be able to let everybody know when the podcast will be up. Um, and that's how you can find me on social media. My name is once again, Maggie Loney. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. I also write twice a week for she's had TV and I podcast once a week for pack a day podcast. Make sure you come back next week when we do a very early preview of the Packers 2020 schedule. Thank you for joining us. Go pack. Go. Go.